the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. If it's been a while since you've worshipped at your local church, they invite you back. Attend services this week. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So here's the problem we face. How do we get this curse removed? How do we get it lifted? We obviously can't remove it by trying to do better and live by God's laws because that's what brought this curse upon us in the first place. Because we're not able to live by his laws. So you can't say, well, I'm just going to do a better job. That doesn't work. You can't do a better job. You're cursed. So if we can't escape the curse by our own work, Paul tells us the most thrilling news we can ever hear. He tells us that we can escape the curse of the law by the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not die on the cross just for the fun of it. He sacrificed himself because he is the only sacrifice that can pay for our sin debt. The law helps us realize that. If we try to get to heaven by obeying the law, we're doomed. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is guiding us in a study of the third chapter of Galatians, which Paul wrote in order to correct a false teaching that had crept into the Galatian church, a doctrine that came straight from the pits of hell, the notion that Christ's sacrifice was insufficient and we need to follow the law in order to be saved. The law leads to damnation. But faith in the work of Christ on the cross leads to salvation. Here in Galatians 3, Paul quoted the prophet Habakkuk, who, even as he foresaw the destruction of his nation, was able to say, the just shall live by faith. I'll let Pastor Steve take it from here. Those words were not only dear to Paul, but they were very dear and had a tremendous impact on Martin Luther. Luther was a German monk who was very devoted to his church, the Roman Catholic Church. And the now famous story is that when Luther went to the city of Rome, he visited the church of St. John Lateran. That's a church named after John the Baptist. He visited that church because the Pope had promised that anyone who climbed the staircase of this church, which was said to have come from the judgment hall of Pontius Pilate, they would receive, the Pope said, an indulgence for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, I have actually been to that staircase. You can actually go up on another way, come from the back and look down, and it is a pathetic sight. I saw many old people, they weren't walking the stairs, they were on their their knees, ascending the stairs, kissing the stairs, stopping and praying. A pathetic sight. The Roman Catholics believe that the staircase is stained with the blood of Christ. 
And so, as I said, they actually climb these steps on their knees, praying and kissing them as they ascend. Well, as Luther proceeded to climb these steps, something happened to him. In the words of his own son, here's what took place, and I quote, As he repeated his prayers on the Lateran staircase, the words of the prophet Habakkuk suddenly came to his mind. The just shall live by faith. Thereupon, he ceased his prayers, returned to Wittenberg, means Germany, where he was from, and took this as the chief foundation of all his doctrine. Luther, in his own words, later explained precisely what happened to him. Here's what Martin Luther said. Before those words broke upon my mind, I hated God. I was angry with God. But when by the Spirit of God I understood these words, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, then I felt born again like a new man. I entered through the open doors into the very paradise of God. You see, Luther now understood what Paul wanted every religious person who thinks that the law can save them to understand that God's word never taught that law-keeping was the way of salvation. That really is an invention of hell. It comes from Satan. On the contrary, Scripture has always taught that salvation is by faith, trusting and relying upon God and not human effort. And just as God broke in upon Martin Luther's heart to set him free from the bondage of trying to keep the law and and being good enough to get to heaven on his own, I hope, and it's been my prayer, that he will do the same for anyone here who might still think that they're good enough to work their way into heaven. Now, so far, we've seen that Paul has given two reasons why it is impossible to be justified by law. Number one, because the law demands perfection and no one's perfect. Number two, because the Bible teaches justification by faith and not law. This is what God has said. But as Paul moves on to verse 12, he gives still a third reason to show the impossibility of justification by law, which is this. It's because law and faith are incompatible as the grounds for justification. They do not mix at all. Verse 12, However, Paul writes, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Once again, Paul quotes from another Old Testament verse to make his point. This time, he quotes from Leviticus 18.5, which essentially states that if you are looking to the laws of God for your salvation by practicing them, then you have to live by all of them. Now, why did Paul bring this up? Well, the reason he brought this verse up was to show that the principle of faith is so very different from the principle of law. You can't mix them together for salvation. That's why he says the law is not of faith. Faith is not of the law. They they are mutually exclusive. You can't mix them. In other words, faith and law are incompatible as the grounds of salvation, because faith operates on a completely different principle than law. Faith says, trust God for what he has done in Christ. And law says, rely on your own efforts and what you can do to merit God's favor. This is why you can't be saved by believing in Jesus and being baptized. Believing in Jesus and being a church member. Believing in Jesus and keeping the commandments. You can't mix the two, Paul says. They're they're so different, they can't mix. See, faith and law are based on two 
distinct principles, and you cannot combine them for salvation. That was the problem with the Judaizers. And with so many religious people today, they think that salvation is attained by some sort of hazy, fuzzy belief in Christ, as well as their own efforts at being good. But Paul's point here is to show that faith and works together can't be the way of salvation because they are complete opposites. One relies on Christ while the other relies upon self. You can't combine the two. This is why when the Bible speaks of justification by faith, it means justification by faith alone. Even if it doesn't mention the word alone, it's rather obvious. In fact, in Romans 11, verse 6, Paul said, if you mix law with grace, you destroy grace. You can't mix the two. Now, once again, I want to bring up Martin Luther because based on his background in Roman Catholicism, Luther had a great deal to say to us about justification because the man had to think through many issues. He had to think through many things when it came to justification by faith. And here's what Luther said was God's attitude towards those who work at salvation as well as those who trust him. For salvation. Speaking as if this is what God would say, Luther wrote this If you wish to placate me, do not offer me your works and merits, but believe in Jesus Christ, my only Son, who was born, who suffered, who was crucified, and who died for your sin. Then I will accept you and pronounce you righteous. Now, frankly, folks, up to this point in Galatians 3, Paul has painted a bleak, a hopeless situation for the person who thinks that they can be justified by obeying God's laws and trying to be good. It's hopeless. All that it brings is God's curse of judgment and endless wrath, hell itself. But the reason Paul has shown the hopelessness of justification by law is to point us in another direction, the direction of Christ, because he is the only hope we have for salvation. That's precisely what Paul does in the next couple of verses. After showing us that the law only brings a curse, Paul now tells us that Jesus Christ has removed the curse of the law by his death. Notice verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Once again, Paul mentions the curse of the law, which he had said earlier in verse 10, and I explained to you that this curse is God's wrath for breaking his law. And this curse is upon everyone born into this world because we have all failed to live by his law. And so here's the problem we face. How do we get this curse removed? How do we get it lifted? We obviously can't remove it by trying to do better and live by God's laws because that's what brought this curse upon us in the first place. Because we're not able to live by his laws. So you can't say, well, I'm just going to do a better job. That doesn't work. You can't do a better job. You're cursed. So if we can't escape the curse By our own work, Paul tells us the most thrilling news we can ever hear. He tells us that we can escape the curse of the law by the work of Jesus Christ. Paul says that Christ redeemed us. Notice this, 
Verse 13, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, what does he mean by this, this word redeem? Well, the specific word, Greek word, that is translated redeemed was the most commonly used word in Paul's day for buying a slave's freedom. It was not at all unusual for a friend or a relative to purchase a man who had become a slave as a result of being captured in in war, and then he would set him free. He purchased him, now you're free. That's redemption. Now, Paul says that Jesus paid the price to set us free from the curse of the law, and the way he did it was by, watch this, becoming a curse for us. Now, this is the most astonishing truth of the gospel. Because what the apostle means by this is that when Jesus died on the cross, he was being cursed in our place as our substitute by bearing the full fury of divine wrath. It's such an amazing truth. Frankly, it hardly seems possible that Christ, the pure, spotless and sinless Son of God, who perfectly obeyed the law, that he would voluntarily endure God the Father's curse for those of us, which means all of us, who are lawbreakers and rightly deserve to be cursed with divine judgment. It hardly seems possible. But not only is it possible, it's a fact. It's a fact. Christ was cursed when he hung on the cross, which is what Paul explains in still another quote from an Old Testament verse. Cursed, he said, is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 21, 23. And it had to do with the way that some criminals were executed under the Mosaic law. The entire law for executing a criminal is given in Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 through 23. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 21 Starting at verse 22, we read this. If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day. For he who is hanged is accursed of God, so that you do not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. According to this law, what we've just read, When a criminal was put to death, which was usually done, at least in the Old Testament time, by stoning, he was then fixed to a stake or or a post, which was a type of a tree, where his body would hang until sunset. And the purpose of this was to expose this man as being rejected, as being cursed by God. Now note this, this man was not cursed because he hung on a tree. He was hung on a tree because he was cursed as a lawbreaker. In other words, it was the breaking of the law that brought the curse, and the hanging on the tree revealed him as someone who was cursed. Now listen closely. What this means then, in the case of our Lord, is that Jesus wasn't cursed by the Father because he was crucified, but rather he was crucified because he was cursed in our place as the one who bore the full penalty for all the times we have broken God's law. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 
The cross is another way of saying a tree. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, perhaps you can understand maybe a little bit better why the Jewish people of the first century had a difficult time believing that Jesus was their Messiah because it meant believing that he was cursed by God and that was confusing to them to understand. Now, they should have understood that. They should have understood that because their scriptures spoke of this. But their attitude was, why would God curse the Messiah? But the answer is that he wasn't cursed for his own sin because he didn't have any sin. But he was cursed for the sins of sinners like us. Listen, ancient Jewish people considered it blasphemy to say that the Messiah was cursed by God. And that's why, frankly, the message of the cross became such a stumbling block to them. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. They stumbled over this very issue. But the truth of the matter is that the Messiah was cursed, and he was damned by God. In fact, though what I'm about to say may sound shocking, especially coming from the pulpit, it is absolutely accurate to say that the message of the cross is about a God-damned Messiah. And we can thank God that it is. Because it is only through Christ being damned that we have the hope of being blessed with heaven. It is only because Christ experienced the curse of the law in the place of sinners that we can be set free from being doomed to hell. See, once you cease trying to be good enough to get to heaven and you trust his payment for your sin, not only... Are you forgiven of all of your violations of his moral laws, but God imputes Christ's righteousness to you so that you're no longer considered by him to be a lawbreaker, but are now in legal standing as one who perfectly obeyed the law. In other words, the curse of the law was legally transferred to Jesus when he died. And his righteousness of perfect obedience to the law is legally transferred to us when we believe. This is precisely what Paul meant when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ took on our sin and the curse of the law and we take on his righteous obedience to the law and that's really the great exchange of the gospel. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness legally. That's the amazing grace of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. This is why no work on our part could ever achieve salvation because any attempt to be good enough by keeping the law only placed a a curse upon us as lawbreakers. But that curse, praise God, was removed in Jesus Christ. And when you trust him for your salvation, you experience his forgiveness and you are declared legally righteous. God looks upon you as being as righteous as his son. He looks upon you no longer as a lawbreaker, but as as one who has perfectly obeyed all of his law. That's justification. It's by faith. So, question is, why did Jesus do this? Why did he remove the curse of the law by dying in the place of people like us, lawbreakers? Paul closes this section by telling us why, verse 14, in order 
that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, meaning salvation, might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus did this, Paul says, so that we could be justified by faith because there's no other way to be justified. No other way. And in justifying us, Paul adds, God graciously blesses us with his Holy Spirit so that we now have the power to truly obey him when we couldn't obey him in the past at all. See, this this is what makes the gospel so good. This is what makes the gospel so amazing. In love, Christ bore the curse of the law for us so that we could be counted righteous in him. And that's why no work on our part could possibly achieve our salvation because any attempt to be good only placed us under a curse as lawbreakers. But that curse was removed in Christ. And when you trust him for your salvation alone, you experience, as we said, the forgiveness of all of your sins, past, present, and even future. And you are declared legally righteous as if you obeyed the law perfectly. So if you've been trusting in yourself to get to heaven, then take this message to heart. Turn from your own works to Christ's work on the cross. That's the gospel. Trust him as your savior and your curse bearer. And then know the joy of salvation by grace alone. And those of us who know him, take these truths and witness to your self-righteous, unsaved friends who still think they're good enough to go to heaven by keeping the commandments, even if they don't know what the commandments are. Show them what the word of God says. This is the gospel. And then praise God with all of your heart and thank him for so great a salvation. Let's pray. I urge you, if you have never trusted Christ, do so today. You've heard today the bad news before the good news. The bad news is that you can't get to heaven on your own. You're under a curse. The good news is that God has provided a way to get to heaven, not by your work, but by the work of his son. Turn from any of your self-righteousness, any of your deeds you think will merit heaven, turn to Christ. See him dying on the cross for you. The wrath of God being poured out on Christ when it should have been poured out on you. And trust him that that death alone is sufficient for your salvation. Nothing else. I urge you to do this before it's too late. Father, thank you for this precious passage of Scripture, Lord. We sang before that prayer, take us deeper into the glories of Calvary. And you have taken us deeper. You've taken us, Lord, into... uh, a perspective of the cross that we don't often think about, but this is the gospel. Help us to not look at the gospel in a shallow manner, but in an in-depth view, to understand it as you want us to understand it. Lord, I pray for any here who are still under the curse of the law, thinking that they might be good enough to get to heaven. I pray you'll you'll take your word and destroy any self-righteousness they have. Take away their hope in themselves and 
point them to Christ. Open their hearts to the true message of salvation and draw them to yourself. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. If you haven't yet trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and have questions, I'll have a number for you to call in just a minute. Thanks for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For information about how you can know for sure if you have eternal life or for information about Lakeside, call the office during business hours. The number is 727-441-1714. You can also order an audio CD with the message Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message number 1515, The Impossibility of Justification by Law. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. You can also listen online to today's broadcast or download it for later. You'll find it along with hundreds of other programs on our message archive page at versebyverseradio.org. There's also a convenient and secure giving page if the Lord is prompting you to help support Verse by Verse. We can't do this without the financial support of listeners like you. So thank you for your gifts. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. In the verses we just studied, we saw three negative things Paul mentioned about the law. First, it demands absolute perfection all the time. Second is that it never claimed to be the means to obey God. And third, it is directly opposed to faith. Yet, as has been mentioned in brief, the law does serve a purpose. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.